Another big volume day for the Bitcoin ETFs. Criminals are still preferring cash over crypto. And what are ERC-404s? Good morning. You're listening to the Rise and Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph with me, Robert Bags, Steering you through the crypto cosmos with daily dispatches from the digital frontier. If you want a concise daily debrief of everything that's happening in crypto, well, that's the point of this podcast. So click that follow button. Grab yourself a coffee and let's get into it. We have some big picture stories today, so here is what we are going to discuss. Firstly, the US Treasury Department's report on money laundering shows that cash is still king. We look at the innovative new Ethereum token standard ERC-404. We go through the latest numbers on the Spot Bitcoin ETF as we see another big volume day. And the core scientific founder says that Bitcoin ETFs are superior to gold ETFs and he might have a point. There is a long-standing sentiment by those opposed to crypto that it is the lifeblood of some criminal underworld. Now, we've discussed this from several different angles in the past few months. One is Senator Elizabeth Warren painting crypto as the way crime is funded, from hacking to terrorism. We've also looked at a more historic standpoint with how Bitcoin became the currency of choice for the dark net marketplace Silk Road. The problem with this picture is that although there is undoubtedly some truth, crypto's relationship with crime is never as profound as it is shown. Crypto is of course used in criminal activity, it just isn't the primary choice for money laundering and crime by volume or percentage. In recent years there have been many different reports on this topic that look at it in every way imaginable, and some of them have come from government agencies. In fact, the United States Treasury Department has just released three separate reports that analyse money laundering, terrorist financing and proliferation financing, unpacking how criminal organisations acquire, launder and move funds both internally and internationally. Now, as you might expect, crypto is mentioned and it plays a significant role in specific crimes. One example of that is ransomware and we discussed that in yesterday's episode. However, across the Chainalysis report and this new Treasury Department's report, I couldn't determine if crypto was the primary choice of funds for ransomware. That would be interesting to know as ransomware is singled out for crypto. The Treasury also highlighted anti-money laundering obligations and compliance failings of exchanges and service providers. Naturally, reference is made to Binance US and the $4.3 billion settlement as a quintessential example of compliance failings that led to money laundering on exchanges. DeFi protocols also got a paragraph labelled special focus as an emergent means for transferring and laundering illicit funds. But with all this in mind, there is one overarching takeaway in the Treasury's report. Crypto is far below cash in the laundering of money. The report states, Criminals use cash-based money laundering strategies in significant part because cash offers anonymity. They commonly use the US currency due to its wide acceptance and stability. So, while crypto does play a role in money laundering, do not accept the narrative that crypto is somehow the primary method. The crypto industry can certainly improve, but cash is still the dominant method of laundering money. If you talk to anybody completely outside of crypto, the chances are that they see NFTs as a fad, a flash in the pan that had its time and now is consigned to the annals of digital history. The problem I have with this is that the NFT boom scarcely touched the utility of NFTs and that application of technology was still fetal. Although I'm not sure we'll ever again see the fervent attention around NFTs that we saw in 2021, 
I'm confident that they will be prevalent in many, if not most, industries. All that we need to see is continued innovation in the space, and there is. In fact, a new experimental Ethereum token standard is catching the eyes of some in the space. It's called ERC-404, and it's a proposed hybrid of the ERC-20 and ERC-721 token standards. It's created by two pseudonymous developers, Control and Acme, under the project name Pandora. Now, if you're not too techie, don't worry, don't skip the story, it's not that complicated to understand what this token standard does. Now, ERC-20 tokens are fungible, where you can exchange one of them for another one without loss. For example, Uniswap's token Uni, or Chainlink's token Link, and so on. The ERC-721 tokens are those one-of-one -one NFTs, such as Bored Apes or CryptoKitties. These are, of course, non-fungible. ERC-404 aims to bind ERC-721 NFTs to ERC-20 tokens, creating what some will call fractionalized NFTs. That is, multiple wallets can hold a part of a single NFT. There are many interesting use cases of fractionalized NFTs, so I've linked an article by Anthony Clark in the description which discusses some of them. Now, it's worth noting that at the moment, the ERC prefix is name only, as the ERC-404 token standard hasn't yet been approved by Ethereum Improvement Proposal, EIP. The developer Control told Cointelegraph, It's a lengthy process, there's a lot of politics, usually the process takes a couple of weeks. But despite its currently unofficial status, the ERC-404 token project was launched this week and has seen gains of over 1,850% in four days. And at the time of recording, around 7am Eastern, the market cap has just reached north of $300 million. Furthermore, crypto wallets from the exchanges Binance and OKX have announced support for ERC-404. Some developers have raised concerns over the project. You can see one by the ex-user Quit in Jesse Cochran's article I've linked in the description, but I think Control did a pretty good job of defending it. So it's early days for ERC-404, but this feels like it might be one to watch. Okay, I think it's about time for a little Spot Bitcoin ETF update, and there are two separate stories that are prompting this. First up, it's trading volumes and the latest numbers, which are highly encouraging. As always, there's a bit of a delay in getting the numbers on the Spot Bitcoin ETFs, but yesterday, Bloomberg's ETF analyst James Safar highlighted just how healthy the trading volume has been. Safar called Wednesday the 7th of February a big volume day as the total daily volume broke $1 billion. BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust, iBit, topped the charts with 341.2 million, followed by Grayscale Bitcoin Trust with 296.5 million in volume, and in third, predictably, was Fidelity with $200 million. The other seven funds cleared $188 million between them, bringing the total north of $1 billion. In terms of inflows, the nine ETFs have outpaced GBTC's outflows for the ninth day in a row. And my Sprout Finance Spot Bitcoin ETF tracker had Wednesday the 7th end with net flows of plus $146 million. There was also a really interesting side point made by the ex-user Fred Kruger on the Bitcoin buying habits of the ETFs. The nine ETFs, excluding Grayscale, have been buying so much Bitcoin that they are just about to surpass MicroStrategy. And by the time you listen to this, they probably have. You might remember from an episode earlier this week that MicroStrategy has bought yet more Bitcoin and they are the largest publicly traded holder of it. And this week they hit 190,000 Bitcoin. Well, at the end of the day on Wednesday, the nine ETFs excluding Grayscale have around 187,000 Bitcoin. That means the nine would have overtaken MicroStrategy in just 30 days. It really goes to show that these nine ETFs are a black hole for Bitcoin at the moment. 
The second ETF story caught a lot of attention yesterday, and it's on the comments made by the core scientific founder, Darren Feinstein, who said that the spot Bitcoin ETFs are superior to gold ETFs. The gold ETF has been one of the most successful of all time and certainly the most successful ETF launch of all time, having reached $1 billion in trading volume in just three days back in 2004. Now, although Bitcoin has taken that crown, I found from the headline alone that I presumed bias from Feinstein. That is, that he likely preferred Bitcoin going in and there was a degree of confirmation bias or even some recency bias. But after I finished reading his comments, I think I owe him an apology. He makes some really compelling points. There are several areas of comparison between the gold and Bitcoin ETFs and Feinstein firstly addresses how easy it is to verify how much Bitcoin the Bitcoin ETFs hold and it's night and day in contrast to other commodities-based ETFs like gold. He said, a Bitcoin ETF proves via the Bitcoin network that it holds the Bitcoin. That's a much safer investment, in my opinion, than investing in any other ETF, such as a gold ETF, where you have no way to know on a real-time basis if it's really holding the gold or if it's been authenticated. This is a great point, and the spot Bitcoin ETFs must be the first commodities-based ETFs that have real-time tracking of what they hold. Now, you can find what they hold by doing a bit of sleuthing as the blockchain intelligence firm Arkham did with Grayscale and BlackRock. Or, ideally, it can be offered by the ETF creators themselves, as we saw with Bitwise, who publicly released their wallet address. Feinstein went on to sing the praises of Bitcoin and how reserves are publicly available 24-7. He stated, All ledgers have been corrupted by the humans that keep the records, either on purpose, through fraud, or by accident, through error. And so, for the first time in human history, Bitcoin purported to have this immutable ledger, which I thought was impossible until I studied Bitcoin. Bitcoin's ledger is unalterable. This point is one I guess I knew, even if I hadn't spent much time thinking about it. However, Feinstein made a related argument for Bitcoin ETFs over gold that I hadn't even considered. That unlike other commodities, the Bitcoin network shows how much Bitcoin is in circulation, how much is yet to be mined, the total supply cap, 21 million, how much was mined each day, and so on. We have enough analytics and data to drown in the details. When it comes to gold, we have almost none of these. Feinstein said, It is said that there is $11 trillion in physical gold on Earth, but then added that there hasn't been a public audit of federal gold in 70-odd years. What do you make of these comments? Are spot Bitcoin ETFs really better than gold ETFs? Is there anything that Feinstein missed? Share your thoughts with us on at Cointelegraph and at RKBags on X. Okay, that is another week done. And I feel like this week had a wealth of really interesting stories crop up. And all the while, Bitcoin's price was just gradually climbing. So I'll be surprised if this is a quiet weekend. Nevertheless, that is it for today. So consider yourself informed. Thank you for listening to the Rise and Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph. If you're enjoying these daily updates, please make sure you let us know by following, subscribing or leaving a review. Have a great weekend. Let's do this again Monday. 